Hey, patrons, it's Scoots, and I want to thank you for supporting the show, but I also want to let you know, since you don't hear the ads, that I'm going to be at PodCon in Seattle. So if you live in Seattle or the Seattle area, uh, come to PodCon. You can get tickets at a discount if you go to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash PodCon. It's uh, December 9th and 10th, uh, and I'm and I'm not going to be the only one there. I'm going to be doing four different things. There's going to be tons of other podcasts, uh, Criminal Lore, 99% Invisible, My Brother, My Brother, and Me, uh, the team from Night Vale, Hal Lublin, it's just a few of the great podcasters that are going to be there. And one that I want to want you to check out her podcast is my friend Lauren Shippen. And we're going to be doing a mashup, like a podcast mashup, mashup on stage. But I want you to check out her podcast if you haven't listened to it already, The Bright Sessions. Uh, the Bright Sessions is a science fiction podcast that follows a group of therapy patients. But these aren't your typical patients. Uh, each uh, has a unique uh, supernatural ability. The show documents their struggles and discoveries, as well as in the motivations of their mysterious therapist, Dr. Bright. And the show's on its fourth season. It's amazing. If you like Sleep With Me, uh, it's much different than Sleep With Me. If you liked Superdoll, you're going to love uh, um, the Bright Sessions because uh, it, it, it takes place during the day and it's not to put you to sleep. And you can check out The Bright Sessions at thebrightsessions.com or wherever you consume your podcasts. And uh, that's it. Thanks, patrons. Uh, hey, you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep. Welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. Uh... What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, feelings, physical sensations, changes, uh, seasonal stuff. Uh, whatever's keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off of that. I'd like to distract you. And that's kind of what the safe place is. A, a place where you could come, you could plop down, you could plop down, you could sit down. You could take a breath, you could ease your shoulders in, uh, you could sink in, you can unwind, you could just uh, say, okay, oh boy, this is good, uh, I'm glad I'm here, and uh, you say, I'm in the right place now, and relax, because uh, I'm glad you're here, so what I'm going to do is send my voice across the deep dark night, like how I'm going to achieve this safe place, I'm glad you're here. Or how am I going to achieve or create a safe place? Sorry, I misspoke. Um, apologies. Uh, welcomeness. Uh, friendly banter. I'm going to send my voice across the deep dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creak dulcet tones, uh, pointless meanders, uh, tangents, uh, like uh, filler words. I'm going to fill it up with filler words and some real words too, uh, all to help you. A couple rhymes, maybe a few. Uh, but here's the thing if you're new. Here's a couple things to know. Uh, first of all, it's a podcast you don't really need to listen to. You could just barely kind of listen to it. Uh, it's here to keep you, keep you company, take your mind off of stuff so you don't have to pay attention too much. Uh, you can, though. It'll be a totally complete uh, show that I put a lot of effort into. But the effort is there so you don't need to listen to it. You don't have to listen. It's at your leisure. 
Uh, so you don't need to listen to it. Also, this weird thing, it says, I say it's the podcast to put you to sleep, but that's just a soundbite, really. It's the podcast to be here to keep you company while you fall asleep, uh, to take your mind off of stuff, to be your friend, your companion, uh, as you drift off into dreamland, to walk at your side across the threshold from wake to sleep, or to talk, uh, yeah, while you fall asleep, or if you don't, I'll be here the whole time, giving it my all, because I appreciate the situation you're in. I believe uh, you either deserve a good night's sleep or... You deserve someone that's going to be here to tell you a story while you can't. Uh, so that's uh, th- those are the kind of non-rules around the show. Structurally, the first uh, six minutes of the show are business, which you already heard. Uh, it's really the only, only way to sustain a sleep podcast is to do it up front. Uh, so I appreciate you sitting through that and the regular listeners acting on that. Uh, uh, so that's that. And there's an intro that's about 12 minutes, uh, which we were four or five minutes into now. And the intro is kind of like a, a rambling setup. Uh, some people fall asleep during it. Like, I don't know. A lot of people say they do. You know, but some people put it on and literally their pets start jumping in bed. Some people brush their teeth to it. As they start their wind down routine, whatever it is, uh, like, uh, so it's like 12 minutes. And then tonight is a tale of the tape episode, a holiday tale of the tape, uh, where I'll be talking about, uh, the movie I missed out on as a youth, uh, home alone. And I'll be trying to remember what I can about seeing that movie and like, uh, yeah, see, well, huh. Uh, Daniel Stern, but there won't be anything stern about my recap. It'll be lulling and soothing. And that'll be about 45 minutes, uh, and then we'll have some thank yous at the end. So all told, I should be here about an hour. Uh, there's also tons of episodes in the archive for you to try out. Uh, but let me tell you why I make this show, why it's so important to me, and why I really think you deserve... Uh, some relief if I can provide it. Now, this podcast doesn't work for everybody. I hope that it can help you. Yeah, but the reason I make the show is that I've been there, both as a child as an, as an adult. Uh, like as a kid, worried about school and staying up all night, thinking about it, and then thinking about falling asleep and not being able to turn my brain off or turn my worries off. And then as an adult, sometimes the same reason. Uh, you know, I'm one of those people like, uh, that like, uh, not just sleep can be baffling too, but life in some sense is a baffling to me a lot of times. And I say, it, and this is just like, this is like that I know it isn't true, but a lot of times it feels that way. It says, how come I'm the only one that can't figure this thing out? And they've always say, I know is wrong because I know there's a lot of other people that have that same feeling. Huh? Well, Looks like everybody else has got this adult thing together, but me, or this interconnectedness thing, or this, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, that voice is incorrect, but it doesn't always feel that way, at least for me. And I'm not sure if you can relate to that. And they can make it tough to sleep or even the whole debate back and, well, you shouldn't believe that voice. Uh, you'd sleep a lot better if you didn't believe that voice because it's not true. We'll say, it still feels true, physically and emotionally, at least. And yeah, I, I realize that, but it's, it doesn't make it any easier. 
So, so I don't know if that helps you feel less alone. Uh, that's one of the reasons I make this show is because I know what that feels like and it stinks. And, uh, I want to let you know you're not alone. And I want, I guess I don't even want to let that part of myself know, Hey, you're not alone, even though it can feel that way. And that can make it tough to sleep. That's with this weird digital community here. We're all gathered together in different ways, in different places, uh, and a lot of us got that, and other people are going through a lot of other tough stuff uh, that might be keeping them awake or uh, making it tough to fall asleep or making it easy to wake up and, you know, not get back to sleep. Uh, we're all here together, and uh, it's easy for me to forget that and or not even to forget it, to say intellectualize it, but then have it be inaccessible by the rest of me. Uh, but even when I forget, I know this is important, trying to help, uh, because I've been there. I've been there in the deep, dark night, lost and uh, uh, down, down, down and out. Uh, and I want to help you, okay? Like, uh, if I can. I can't help everybody. Like I said, it doesn't. this podcast doesn't work for everybody. And all I can really do is keep you company with this silly story. But I can't think of any greater honor. Uh, then taking your mind off of that stuff, uh, uh, letting you uh, feel a little bit less alone. Your digital boar friend, your boar bay, your boar bro, your boar cuz, your secret ally in the night. That's uh, what I'd like to, to, to try and provide for you. And uh, we're on a healing journey together. Oh, boy, is it one slow journey? And it's got a lot of meanders and uh, it turns back on itself quite a few times. Uh, but it's a lot easier if, if I can help you get some rest, uh, uh, you know, where, where you can have a little recuperation, a little R&R, a little shut-eye. Uh, so that tomorrow comes, you could deal with it. And you say, well, geez, two, three days later, uh, you know, I'm two or three days out from internal rigmarole. And uh, somebody said, well, just, uh, you know, it, it can it, it can hear its stuff right now. Uh, you know, why, why don't we talk in a couple of days and you're going to tell me how it feels. I can tell you, like, uh, it feels a lot better uh, uh, 48 hours out. Uh, where I say, oh, okay. I don't know, those, those feelings, they do come and go. Sometimes they don't feel like that. Uh, but either way, like this sounds like a much more of a serious <laughs> enterprise than it is. It's serious business, and I accomplished that seriousness by being a total goofball uh, and silly. This like being silly is serious business. Uh, like uh, I remember Brewster or Brewster's Millions once said, "We're in the business of doing business, and I'm in the business of uh, uh, being a uh, being a silly uh, distraction and a friend." Uh, so I'm gonna goof around. Uh, like mostly tonight, I'll probably be misremembering. At least I remember Macaulay Culkin's name, so that's a win. And uh, like, uh, you know, just trying to say, hmm, okay. And like, also, I have no idea when Home Alone was made. Uh, so like, uh, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, I'll look it up uh, when I'm done recording. But uh, it was a movie made at some point. Uh, but I think that's it. If you're new, thanks for giving this a shot. And I know it's uh, this podcast a lot different than uh, most uh, normal stuff uh, and even some odd stuff. Uh, 
But if you've read any of the reviews, a lot of people say, one, they came to this podcast skeptical, which I applaud because I would be skeptical about this podcast. And then it took them a few tries before they said, oh, okay, okay, now I understand. This podcast is, uh, it's like a goofy bedtime story. That's what it is. I mean, tonight will be like a goofy bedtime story with a 12-minute intro and then 48 minutes of me uh, misremembering Home Alone. Uh, but it's for me to try and help. So give the podcast a few tries. Uh, see if it works for you. And, uh, yeah, that's it. There's no pressure. Uh, I'll be here for about an hour. And I'm really glad you're here. And I really hope I can help you fall asleep. Thanks for coming by. All right, hey, everybody. It's uh, time uh, for uh, the holiday uh, editions of Tale of the Tape uh, the next few weeks here as we lead up to the holiday season. And I said to my brain, what's a Thanksgiving like era? Uh, like, And I said, I don't know if there are any good Thanksgiving specials that I can remember. And I know there are. Uh, the cornucopia that cried. That was one of my favorite ones. <laughs> maybe I'll tell that next week. Maybe, maybe that'll be a Tuesday episode. Uh, uh, the call, the calling of the cornucopias. That that movie changed everything for me. Children of the cornucopia. Uh, that one. Uh, that one was a good. That was another good one. Uh, they said, "Hey, we got." I think that was like the beginning of the Star Trek: The Next Generation. They said, "Well, we have plenty. Why don't we just explore and be kind to one another?" Since we live in an era of cornucopias, uh, corn cob and cornucopias. That was a fan fiction. That was the sequel to my sequel of Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Bread Knobs and Boomsticks. And then I wrote whatever I just said, cornucopias and whatever. I can't even, candies, candy corn, corn, oh no, that was another, that was a song I wrote, candy corn cornucopia. And I think I'm out of cornucopia material. That was, uh, that was something I said earlier just now. <laughs> uh, cornucopia of corniness, uh, the, the Scoot story, uh, version 45. Anyway, so I was, I was saying, okay, what holiday movies can I cover this year, 2017? You know, and I said, okay, my brain, there's two I'm thinking of, but then this one's a big one. And I, but believe it or not, so, so we'll, do, we'll cover it if I, once I think of the name. Uh, Home Alone is the name of it. And if for some reason I associate this movie with Thanksgiving, uh, maybe because I think it might be one one or two channels that's on 24 hours a day on Thanksgiving. Though the different channels now, they like I don't have, uh, I haven't had linear cable in a long time. Here's the thing, like uh, I don't mean to endorse any products, uh, but I've, I've been testing out non-linear cable products for over two, three, four years. I don't even know. Whenever they started, uh, what do they call them, cord-cutting cable services? And if you want to know the one I love, you can email me. But but uh, it's the name of video game console by a high, by, by head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, so there's two I haven't tried out. Uh, but I really, I literally went running back to this service after testing a couple other ones out over the past two months. Uh, because you kind of do miss that. Uh, I don't know. It has the best of both worlds, I think. When you want to stroll the cable channels, you can do that. Uh, I don't actually do that, so I'm not sure if you actually, like, you can look at the guide and scroll, you know. But anyway, 
I'm pretty sure this movie, Home Alone, is uh, was on, it was on 24 hours a day. Maybe it's Christmas, maybe it's uh, New Year's, maybe it's uh, Thanksgiving. But I associate it with Thanksgiving. Well, why? At the end of that movie, the kid's given a lot of thanks. I think it might take place. I'm not sure, to be honest. Uh, but it, it, it's a movie that I did not see until about three years ago. Maybe I saw it. Uh, not sure, I'm sure, not sure if I saw it before or after I started the podcast for the first time. And there were times the movie was on. I think, like, somehow, I guess maybe I saw it in the background a couple of times, but I never even was sitting not doing other things or even sitting, like, heavily under the influence watching it. Uh, like, I missed the boat on Home Alone. And, uh, like, I don't know why. It, not like I went out of the way to say, I don't, like, I guess I, like, a little bit had a snooty attitude, maybe 25% snoot. Where I said, well, do I need to see that movie? I could, like, make it up in my head. And I'm not sure if I've seen any of the sequels either. Maybe I've seen a couple of those. But, it was like, uh, I don't know. Is there two sequels? There's Alone in New York. Uh, I don't know. And I don't know when those movies were filmed. Maybe I lived in New York when, like, uh, Home Alone 2 was filmed. I'm not sure. What was my point? Uh, well, I missed the boat. Part of it was like, yeah, I don't need to see it. But I think the other 75% was just like, uh, like I just missed the window. So maybe 50% just always missing it. Uh, didn't see it in the theater, clearly. And I guess like you, you like when I'm looking back, I said, well, was I like, a, like I, don't, I don't think I have anything against Macaulay Culkin. And once Macaulay Culkin and uh, the famous handsome actor whose name I can't remember at this second, uh, they had this meme thing going one or two years ago. Uh, Like, it went from liking, like, I guess not having a, like, serious opinion of Macaulay Culkin. Like, either way, just saying, well, Macaulay Culkin, uh, to really, like, loving. Who's the famous actor? What's the He was in the Blade Runner. La La Land. He's Ryan, Ryan, I almost said Ryan McGosling, but Ryan Gosling. So Ryan Gosling and uh, Macaulay Culkin, you know it's a sleep podcast when someone's describing memes to you and they're taking it like, uh, so welcome to sleep with me, but welcome back if you drifted off, I'll put you right back to sleep. Uh, so at some point, Ryan Gosling and Macaulay Culkin were wearing T-shirts of each other, wearing T-shirts, like a MC, very MC Asherist. Uh, I don't know how, many, how much of it was real and how much of it, but it seemed like they were just printing out shirts. Like, uh, it was really good. Like, uh, I guess I'd say cute, uh, char- maybe charming. And uh, so, so, but I don't think I ever had a negative opinion of Macaulay Culkin. I mean, maybe some jealousy. I'm, I'm trying to just mine. Why didn't I see this movie? Uh, but it, like, I guess I don't have an, an, I don't have a good answer. I don't have a good excuse, but I guess it like, I'm not saying there's no excuse for it. Uh, but I will say this. I was so pleasantly surprised the first time I saw Home Alone from beginning to end. Also, a couple other things. Believe it or not, even though I watched it three or four years ago, it was on VHS when I watched it. It was at a place I used to work uh, with youth, and we decided to watch it, uh, like, to kick off the holiday season a few years ago. 
and we just happened to have a donated version of Home Alone and a VHS. That was like uh, the kids like got a kick out of watching VHS tapes. Uh, not waiting for them to rewind, though. And we didn't have a DVD of Home Alone. So we sat down and watched Home Alone. And this was so this was the first time I watched it. Uh, and then the preceding year or two, I would watch it about 8,000 times after that uh, while I was doing other work because uh, the kids would keep watching it or some kids would leave. Uh, so at least in the preceding weeks, I probably saw it 10 more times, uh, which is really going to blow your mind when I try to remember anything about it. But I only watched it once in completion uh, from start to finish. Uh, in my own defense. And I really, I really found it a incredibly charming and, uh, a good movie. And, oh no, maybe I watched it again with my daughter. Uh, okay. Maybe back up scoots. Uh, maybe I watched part of it at work and then watched the whole thing with my daughter. Cause I remember I said when, it, when she watched it, it was like a little bit out of her league. So maybe it was like four years ago. Maybe three years ago, when you watch stuff with a kid, like uh, especially when you're a co-parent, uh, you don't want to watch a movie with a kid and then report it back to the co-parent that didn't go that the movie was beyond their level. Uh, if it was going to help, not help them fall asleep or expose them to stuff. Uh, and my daughter's right around the maturity level that this was just like a, just a point two five a bit ahead of her. So we, you know, I had to talk to her and say, hey, you don't got to worry about it. This is a fun movie. It's just a movie. Now, here's a factoid. The main character's name's Kevin. Like, that just popped in my head. So I thought I'd say it so I'd remember it. Uh, maybe. I'm pretty sure his name's Kevin. That's Macaulay Culkin's character. And to be honest, I don't know a lot about Macaulay Culkin either. Uh, other than, like, uh, what you probably know about. Like, like uh, other than what I've already stated. Uh, but he seems really nice, and, uh, yeah, so, so this is basically the fiction of the movie Home Alone, uh, combined with the fiction of me, you know, maintaining it. But, uh, so I think that's it. I'm trying to think. So it's a movie. It takes place in Chicago. I'm pretty sure it's a John Hughes movie, but I'm not positive on that. Uh, it could be Reitman or a Ramis movie, but I, um, I'm guessing it's a John Hughes movie because only because it takes place in Chicago. But I'm pretty sure maybe Harold Ramis's movies take place there too. And I have no idea what year it came out. I would say 90, um, it could have came out anywhere from 1988 to 1999, which is a pretty big span and I really can't narrow it down. It could be, it could even be, yeah, 88, probably the soonest it could have come out. Uh, maybe 98 would be the latest it came out, but uh, I don't know in there. I could look it up. If if we get stuck, you know, I'll pause the recorder, you know, if it gets really, uh, if I don't have anything to talk about. But right now we got plenty of stuff because uh, there's even like, uh, I have a couple of theories about, uh, I, have, I have one theory about the movie. And then our friend, uh, well, on her Instagram, uh, Starly Kine uh, from the Mystery Show, uh, last Thanksgiving, like, if, if I don't follow, I don't, I don't really use Instagram that much, uh, but like, uh, she's one of the few people I, I was trying to follow more people, but before, for a while I was following like her and I don't even know who else, uh, 
so if I don't follow you, don't make a big deal about it. But last Thanksgiving season, she had posted a, like a little photo uh, taken from the movie, which we'll talk about, which I think uh, she had re I don't know how to repost things on there either. I think she'd reposted it from Charles uh, that makes Search Party. Uh, but again, my, my, you know, my logic is flawed. Because uh, uh, I didn't see, even see the, I mean, this would be considered, I think this movie has entered uh, the holiday class. I mean, I think this, if you're on the cable channel 24 hours a day, that's your holiday classic. I mean, I don't think there's any arguments. And I guess I never associated the movie with the holidays. Like in like people say the feels, like it didn't give me the holiday feels. So, so that was another reason, I guess, like, again, I'm just trying to process why I missed this movie. And I like, I don't know. So, but so again, when I saw it, finally, uh, like uh, here's a lot of things to love about it. Macaulay Culkin is great. Uh, uh, Catherine, oh my gosh, her name is like one of, one of our beloved, uh, uh, second city actresses, uh, from SCTV, uh, whose name Catherine uh, will come to me it, from, she's been in uh, some of our favorite, uh, Tim Burton movies and many other things. Uh, but of course, uh, Catherine Keener's name's coming to me, which is a different actress. Uh, but she, she plays the mother. Uh, the dad's played by somebody, and I'm sorry, I don't know their name, uh, but you, they, you say, okay, yeah, they're in the, that's a person that's in the movies. I mean, they're doing, you know, they're a very successful actor. And in the kids, I'm sure there's probably one, like in the kids in the movie, I'm sure there's like one or two famous kids. Uh, but I can't say, like, I, I guess, like, I've only seen the movie tw- like once or twice. And then in the background on VHS across the library uh, playing. I'm see like uh, Anne Hathaway was one of the older siblings, but that's just something like could be made up in my brain. And again, that's a risky bet when I'm saying the movie could have been made anywhere from 86 to 99. So again, I'm not, I never, this is tell the tape in my brain. Again, I'm not a historian. Uh, I think there's probably a Christmas tree on the cover of this movie though. But again, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why I missed the movie. I'm sorry, Macaulay. Please take me. Like, I could wear a T-shirt of you wearing a T-shirt of Ryan Gosling if you want, right, to apologize. And, uh, oh, shoot, I just almost had Catherine's last name. But you, you'll recognize her. Uh, so, okay, so, okay, so, oh, Daniel Stern and uh, Joe Pesci are the other big leads. And Daniel Stern, of course, anybody that was raised in the 80s and watched Wonder Years, uh, uh, like, uh, like, I, like we'll say, well, I, you know, Daniel Stern's voice is the voice of uh, my childhood from, you know, like I would always like, uh, you know, narrate in Daniel Stern's voice or whatever. And Joe Pesci was uh, famous for, I think, this role and a similar role in My Cousin Vinny where he kind of plays like a Jersey tough guy, loud mouth uh, character, which I guess isn't uh, different than the, uh, some other wonderful Scorsese, Scorsese, Scorsese uh, movies that he's appeared in where uh, uh, they were unbelievable. And yeah, there's probably other people in the movie and J- John Candy's in it. And uh, he's part of like a theory I have, uh, 
But so, like, uh, what I missed, like, what I really enjoyed most was the beginning of the movie. And I guess when you think about people, like, uh, the emotional uh, situation of the kid's name, Kevin. Uh, uh, so we have this Chicago home, very big, like, uh, very John uh, Hughes. Did he say the movie was made by John Waters, maybe at the beginning? That would be great if John Waters remade Home Alone. That would be unbelievable. Can I get a what, what? Like, even a stage play, uh, Home Alone, by John, like a stage version of the movie. How about that? Uh, that would be so sick. Uh, and then have Macaulay Culkin in it. Uh, holy cow. I wish I had a pen. But so... It, like just like John Hughes movies, there's usually this this suburban, uh, like a shot of the house, and and I don't know, like it feels like they use different but similar houses, and uh, this was a big white house, I think, and it opens in a frenzied situation of the night. Well, I don't know where it opens, but at some point, uh, the first thing I remember is this is frenzied situation of a family the night before they're going on vacation. I think Anne Hathaway is in the movie. Maybe, but, uh, uh, anyway, so there's like, uh, there's this, there's Kevin who's the youngest. Uh, maybe there's a girl that's younger than him, one of his sisters, I would assume. Uh, but their family's getting ready for a vacation. And so they're, everybody's in the house and, uh, Kevin's seeking attention, but everybody's busy getting ready for vacation. So he can't get any attention. And I feel bad for my brother, Kenneth, because uh, he was a kind of in Kevin's role. But we only had six kids. I don't know. This family seemed like there's at least eight. Because uh, w- with six, you're going to keep track. But once you get over six, you say, well, there's probably like eight or ten kids in this freaking house. And I don't know how many were cousins or whatever, but I think there was just an aunt and an uncle there. And they were all going to France or something. I think they were going to France or England. Uh and I don't know if it's for vacation or what. Like, I guess none of that I really paid attention to. But let's say they're going to Paris uh, for the holidays or Thanksgiving, which would be interesting. Uh, uh, like, for the holidays. Let's say they're going to Paris for the holidays. I don't really remember. And I think they were, like, I don't know if they were flying through. No, I guess Chicago. You probably get to either one of those cities, London or Paris, uh, direct. Uh, and so it's the night before they're getting ready. Kevin says, seeking attention. His mother's like, Kevin, you got your stuff packed. And he, I think Kevin's like, I don't want, no one listens to Kevin, but he tries to say, one, I don't have any clean clothes. And two, I don't have a bag or something. Or he's is seeking help. Uh, and the house is just chaotic. Uh, and it's very comedic, but you kind of get the sense that Kevin's a little down. And you really get the sense uh, that Kevin's trying uh, seeking attention and actual assistance. And then his bugs, I think is his oldest brother. Bugs is not nice. And then at some point, uh, like Joe Pesci shows up, he's dressed in costume, but we don't know that. Uh, and he's pretending he's for the, for working for the Chicago PD. And also a guy shows up with like 15 pizzas and also the uncle's there, and, like, the uncle's a little bit aloof, uh, like uh, Kevin's uncle. And then the guy's, like, trying to get paid for the pizzas, and Joe Pesci's trying to find an adult. And I think he finally talks to Kevin. He says, is your mom or dad home or something? Uh, 
he kind of talks down. And then Joe Pesci's thing is like, well, I'm just making sure you're going to be home for the holidays. You're going to be gone. And they say, we're going to be gone. And Joe Pesci says, great. Well, we're going to have an eye out for you. So don't worry one bit. When are you going to be back? And they say, well, not for two weeks. We're going to be go to Paris or whatever, London. And he says, I see London. I see France. Uh, don't worry. I'll keep an eye on your house. That's my job. Uh, but I think he also he expresses like a hidden uh, animosity towards children at some point, maybe. Yeah, then the guy finally gets paid for the pizzas. And this really was the emotional hook for me. Was like, uh, I think Kevin, like, uh, like, like he, he's off trying to get his socks together or whatever. And the family sits down to eat pizza. And then Kevin, they say, Kevin, why are you like, why aren't you eating dinner? Like, get in here. Like, he's already, he was trying to do something right. And then he gets in trouble. And then he gets in and there's no pizza left. Uh, and he's crushed, understandably. And they say, well, why didn't you get here on time, Kevin? Of course, there's no pizza for you. And I mean, anybody's ever been a kid and has loved pizza. I mean, even if you go to a pizza party as an adult, uh, I mean, I don't know about you because I'm not, I'm, I'm a, like, uh, not a great person. I'm like watching the pizzas say, okay, how many pizzas? I'm pretty hungry, man. I could keep eating this pizza all day. So, but poor Kevin, he doesn't get any pizza. I don't even think there's, and then Bug says, well, figures because you're, you know, like Bug says something not nice. They think something gets spilled on somebody and everybody goes, Kevin. Uh, so he just keeps getting like a uh, like bad thing piled on bad thing. When he wasn't uh, acting out or, uh, like, he was just going against, uh, trying to get, like, advocate for himself and survive in the chaos. And, uh, but nothing too harsh, just enough that you feel like this connection to Kevin. And then I think out loud or alone with his mom, at some point, Kevin starts to pout, which is understandable. And at some point, he wishes, wishes away his family. And, uh, like, I wish you weren't like, I wish I was like uh, home alone or something. And, and that's really the, uh, the, whatever the, the through point of the movie is he says, you know, geez, I wish you weren't my family or I wish I like, I really hope, uh, and his mom, like he says it in such a way. And she does a great delivery of, uh, like he says it either to her or out loud in the live, the dining room. And she says, like, oh, well, geez, you better be careful. Your wish will come true, uh, and then you'll miss all of us or whatever. And uh, she, she's not she's not happy, and then Kevin's a little sad. So he goes up to his room or something. He think he lives up in the attic, or he goes and, like, sleeps in the extra room. Maybe that's it. Like, even his bedroom's been taken over by his aunt and his uncle. So he's like, where am I going to sleep? And they go, go somewhere else, Kevin. Uh, so he ends up like sleeping in a hamper or something. And then he wakes up the next day. Well, he's still asleep. Uh, and whatever his, uh, his parents and everything, uh, like they wake up the next day at like six in the morning. It's some reason like they had messed up their time anyway. Everyone slept in, I think. Uh, so then they're rushing to get to the airport and, they had some system for counting the kids with the older siblings, but something was off about that. So they get everybody in the car and they head to the airports and they're running late. So then like you see them running through the airport, running to get on the plane. 
everyone getting on the plane, like, oof, we just made it. Oof, we made it to our flight to France or whatever, you know, transcontinental uh, flight. And then, like, I think there's one shot of the parents, like, saying, oh, boy, they're on the flight. They say, get us some champagne because uh, uh, we just barely made it. Now we're on easy street. Uh, and the mom has kind of a look of unsettled. And she says, oh, I can't believe you. And the husband's like, don't worry, honey. We really made it. Uh, now we can relax. And she says, well, I'm still off a little. Uh, and then the camera goes to Kevin, who wakes up in in his house. And now I can only remember the movie. Like, well, let's talk about the scene, like the, the whatever the parts of the story. Like, so Kevin wakes up. Uh, and this was a big twist, actually surprising twist. Even watching the movie uh, was this first uh, this first part of Kevin being home alone. You know, this was trailer material, but it still was delivered. Like, uh, I mean, like I say with Game of Thrones and other stuff, it's like uh, the the reason these movies become timeless or beloved. Is it, 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 like, even though it's like this uh, pretty well-known story is the ability to put these little things in there, like not getting the pizza. But then even this morning, like Kevin wakes up and I'm not exactly even sure how they do it. Uh, but at first he's like looking around his house and it very quickly realizes he's home alone. Or it's like a kind of slow reveal. And there, where you'd expect some sort of, uh, like, I don't know, like, where you're trying to figure out his emotional state, uh, he becomes super enthusiastic. And uh, then there's a hilarious set of scenes with Kevin home alone, living the dream, eating, uh, you know, cereal and candy and ice cream uh, like sleeping in his parents' bed, watching TV, like just doing whatever he wanted to do and having fun, like just this free freedom of a child of many children and just joy. And then we also get the next plot, which is at some point we see Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci planning and they say, Hey, we're going to, um, uh, borrow a bunch of, uh, like, like they said, this is the VHS era. You're supposed to return your VHS tapes rewound. And they said they were going to go to all these places in Chicago and return everybody's DVD, like, uh, VHS tapes unrewound, uh, just to play a little tricky poo on everybody. So they were planning on doing that in every house in Kevin's neighborhood. And that's why Joe Pesci had scouted it out. So, well, nobody's going to be home. So they'll be like, great, our friends uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern are returning our VHS tapes to Blockbuster. Uh, but really, I think it was like a corporate message that they worked for, you know, that we're going to get assessed at one ninety nine, no rewound fee. And it's like a secret charge. And I guess maybe they were working on commission. Like, probably that was it. Like they were going to get 20, 30, 40, maybe 50 percent, 99 cents. And so 99.5 cents, I don't know exactly, but, uh, yeah, so that was their game. So we see them say, oh, anyone that lived in that era says, oh no, don't return the tapes of Blackbuster, not rewound. Uh, they have your credit card on file, or if they don't, then you can't check out, uh, and you got to pay a bunch of money, you know, thank goodness for digital distribution. What a lucky era we live in, uh. 
maybe like uh, I guess uh, or somebody makes a free podcast. Uh, you say, what? What if they had to pay one anyway? Uh, but so, uh, so let's see. So, uh, so we have Kevin Home Alone. Then we have Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci planning on returning all these VHS tapes. And then at some point we get uh, uh, almost had it, uh, but the mother uh, realizing on the plane that uh, uh, she says like Kevin. And uh, I remember watching a movie with the kids, and they said, she's like, I can't believe it took this mom like uh, 38 minutes or whatever to realize she left uh, Kevin at home. And they were really kind of like, uh, like they were really adamant about it. Like, uh, these are high school age kids. They said, this is like ridiculous. Uh, and they like, uh, very analytical. And I said, holy cow, you guys are right. Uh, never looked at it through that lens of like, uh, like what? But it's, so it's just interesting. But it, it's true too. It's like, uh, but she feels it. She says, "I can't believe I forgot Kevin." Yeah. So maybe then there's a scene or two on the plane of them coming to grips with that, uh, and then there's them arriving in uh, trying to get a hold of Kevin, which somehow they missed Kevin. I can't figure out that part uh, right now. And also, like her, this family saying, "Well, we'll stay in Paris. You go home and go to Kevin." Uh, and then trying to figure out how to get home during the holidays or Thanksgiving, whenever it was. Uh, but then, so we return to Kevin, who is like uh, exploring this new world. And it's a contrast uh, to, uh, like, not only is it fun, but you see, well, Kevin can feed Kevin's self, maybe not healthy, and have fun and revel in this ability. Well, my needs weren't getting met, uh, but now I'm meeting my own needs. Uh, and even in this jokey way, Kevin's maturity kind of uh, levels up, I guess you'd say, because then Kevin decides, well, I got to go to the store, and I kind of got to figure out uh, navigating this world. And I can't remember if Kevin drives a car or not. I don't remember. Uh, but Kevin goes out to the store and into the world. And I don't know at what point Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern realize, uh, but whatever, they had a schedule uh, to, 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 to return the tapes from Kevin's house. But so Kevin goes out, then we realize he's his neighbor. And we realize his neighbor is like a little bit like a, um, older grouch, uh, you know, that Kevin mistakes, uh, for, for not a nice person. And so Kevin's like a little bit worried about having encounters with his neighbor. Also, he's worried about paying for stuff. I think he like it, it breaks into his piggy bank or, or bugs his piggy bank uh, to pay uh, for toothpaste. Uh, if at some point he shaves, that's like the big because uh, he does the monk uh, where he clasps his hands to his face after he shaves and puts on aftershave. Uh, but so let's see, where were we? So Kevin um, goes to the store. I really don't remember much about it. Then he tries to buy the stuff. Uh, and then he leaves, I think, because he sees his neighbors. His neighbor says, what are you buying stuff, Kevin? And he says, no. He says, where's your parents? And he says, well, at the bathroom or whatever. Uh, whatever. Kevin has to get groceries, I would assume. I don't know. I don't remember what Kevin bought other than toothpaste. Uh, uh, but, you know, sundries. Uh, I think that's what they call them. But Kevin successfully navigates that despite an obstacle. And maybe he overpaid and ran, uh, 
Uh, so we had to like get back home and uh, batten down the hatches again, uh, which makes him insular because of the neighbor. And then uh, I don't know. And I don't know if it ever gets like old. Uh, uh, but I think it's just funny that like it, it, the mom says, "Well, just wait if your wish came true and no one was home." Uh, that was the other thing that Kevin is dawning is that his wish was granted, and it's awesome. Until complications ensue, uh, which in in the form of this movie is uh, uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern trying to return these videotapes, uh, but first they have to get them. And this kind of unfolds, I guess, like in a series of uh, uh, stakes getting raised, I guess. Uh, and I'm not sure at first, maybe they just knock on the door and Kevin turns on lights. So I say, what the heck? Somebody's there. Or he, and then at some point he turns on, um, no, that's later, but whatever, Kevin, the lights are on or whatever. So they say, there's not supposed to be anybody there, but there is, uh, then at some point they try to sneak in. They say, we'll just sneak in and get the videotapes or turn them. And then Kevin, uh, uses the TV to, to, to make them run away. Uh, to think that a, a person that says, you're not touching my videotapes, kid. I uh, hit the road. I will re- I re- be kind, rewind. Uh, so so that happens. And then Daniel Stern and uh, Joe Pesci run away. But then it says, some saying, Joe, Joe Pesci's thinking. And he says, no, no, no. We, like, uh, he goes, I think there's just a, maybe they see Kevin go to the store and go back. And they say, there's just a kid there by himself. Uh, he's going to love it. And then I, I guess this part, like, uh, there's a leap that I miss. Uh, like, do, do, is Kevin, uh, like, where, I don't, I'm not sure if Kevin already ever takes a turn, a retreat turn, or not. Like, they make that first effort, and Kevin was not happy about it, but he, he definitely uh, uses the TV to, to send them on the merry way. Uh, but now they say, hey, we're going to get in the house, and... So I don't know if there's a scene in there where Kevin uh, does a retreat, like, uh, I'm just going to stay in bed or whatever. That's usually, I mean, that's how I deal with most situations. I close, you know, I say, if I pull these covers over my head, either literally or metaphorically, well, hopefully all these things will go away. Yeah, but this is a movie. But, but I, again, I'm not sure if there is a scene like that or not that I can remember. But it, then Joe Pesci and Kevin, Daniel Stern decide to double down. Now, meanwhile, back with the mom, uh, she's also doubling down. She says, I'm getting to find, go get home to see my kids home alone. And they can't get it. Like, I think at some point they turn off the phones to Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci. So they can't get a hold of Kevin. And the, the uh, you see a little bit of like a bureaucratic ineptitude of trying to help her uh, get a hold of her son. Yeah, but it, whatever, she ends up starting to fly, and she can only get a, fly, a flight to, like, New York City, and then she's trying to get across the country. So she's dealing with the progressive complications, too. Uh, but then we see Kevin really move into a stage of aptitude of uh, saying, no one's coming to take the videotapes to my house, unrewound, and return them. Also, as a minor, I'm not even authorized, I think, to return the videotapes without my family. So he does like a lot of fun, creative things. Like he ices up the stairs. Uh, and I think from a multi-level, multi-generational comedy, you get a lot of slapstick. 
you get a lot of this kid, you know, thinking outside the box and you get these anticipations where you think one thing's going to happen and, uh, uh, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci think one thing's going to happen. And so Kevin keeps advancing and they keep advancing and getting meaner. Uh, but, uh, Kevin keeps coming out on top. Uh, but, uh, there's, uh, then there's, uh, there's another moment. So I guess there is one more beat, uh, where Kevin has like whatever you want to call it, the dark night of the soul, which we'll come back to because his mom is going through the same thing. She reaches, uh, somewhere in the Midwest and she's trying to rent a car and they say, listen, it's Christmas Eve or whatever. We we got no cars. And behind her in line is a John Candy. And I have a theory about this. It's not exactly a podcast theory, but that uh, John Candy says, well, we could give you a ride because uh, I can't remember what it was. And I, I, I don't know that anybody else's voice is theory. Uh, so I'd have to look it up. I guess I can't even remember. But John Candy's in a polka band. He says, hey, don't you remember our big hits, a polka polka? He says, well, we're not going to Chicago, but we're going to Milwaukee or something. So, uh, you know, maybe we could give you a ride in our, like, we got a U-Haul full of pol- polka people. Uh, but I was really wondering if, uh, like, uh, John Candy was representing some sort of g- g- god, a Greek Roman god. I don't know. I saw, like, it was uh, some sort of, uh, like, like, with this band. I don't know. I, I, like, if I wrote five, five, uh, fan fiction about home alone it would be about john candy's character and his band and what they're up to uh, but another big point of order is that uh in this scene on instagram was shared uh, that there's in line at the uh waiting to rent the cars there's another gentleman with a beard uh and you can find this on the internet this people say that's elvis uh and I showed the picture to people just because I thought it was amusing. And everyone said, no, that doesn't look like Elvis. And they said, yeah, but Elvis in this year, whatever, in 1986 and 1999, whatever year when Elvis was that age. Uh, but it was fun to think about, well, geez, what if Elvis was an extra in Home Alone? Uh, who who doesn't get amused by that? Uh, most people, turns out most people don't. Other than I, I do. Uh, but so I, I don't know. I found that music. But then she gets in the car and like interspersed with Kevin's scenes is her traveling with John Candy's band and, you know, trying to get home to Kevin. Now, meanwhile, Kevin has a, this dark night of the soul. And I'm not exactly sure when it really is. Uh, I don't know if it's at, maybe it's after his victory against uh, Stern and uh uh, Pesci, or if it's like before they give one last try, but Kevin goes out and he goes, I think, to like his uh, like local holiday thing. Like, uh, so maybe it's Christmas Eve and he's just a little lonely because I kind of remember like a nativity scene and carolers, uh, like a family moment where everybody's sharing holiday Eve, and then uh. Uh, Kevin sees his neighbor, this older uh, neighbor of his, who he always thought was a grouch, and uh, he, he like the neighbor kind of sneaks up on him, and he says, "Hey, Kevin," and I think Kevin had lost his wallet. Uh, he says, "Hey, I found your wallet," uh, you know, or fake ID or whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, maybe Kevin paid by credit card. I don't, I don't know. But uh, 
Like when you ran out of the store, you seemed like you were running around. You haven't seen your family at all either. And Kevin goes, yeah, yeah. And he goes, don't worry, I'm your friend. Uh, you don't get to be worried. And you get this sense of warmness. Again, I don't know how they did this so well, but uh, where you say, okay. And you can feel Kevin let his guard down a little bit. Uh, and he says, uh, uh, again, you just know that he says, geez, I need a... Uh, uh, some wisdom i'm having the dark night of the soul and you're my mentor figure but they really deliver it like uh you get the sense that kevin has this one last need uh to push him on to his next thing and this uh, grants it he gives him some piece of wisdom like you know on christmas eve uh the brightest light in the sky is the light uh, within your heart or something and it's okay to love people that aren't perfect because no one's perfect. He even tells a story about his daughter. And uh, Kevin says, huh, you're right. Uh, I'm going to get home and uh, I'm going to think about, you know, the, the the birdhouse in my soul and not to put too fine a pine on it. Uh, uh, and he says, you're right about this. I can feel it. And the, the, his neighbor says, well, Kevin, I'm here if you need me. Uh, and Kevin says, I, mean, I don't think I do. And then Kevin goes back, and uh, he's already learned the real spirit of the holidays. And then uh, if if there's one last lesson to be taught, it's taught to Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern to like keep out of other people's VHS tapes and don't come up with some shady system of returning the tapes at other people's expense because no one's going to like that. Uh, and whatever, so that that happens, and uh, I'm trying to think what what uh what uh let's see, what does happen after that? Uh, I don't know. But then finally, the mom arrives, and I don't exactly remember, but I'm sure that her and she, Kevin share this moment uh, of love. Uh, but really, the mo- movie does end with Kevin's victory over. Uh, the people trying to mess with the tape where you see Kevin has achieved, uh, the right mix of adulthood and childhood vulnerability. I, I think, uh, with the scene with the neighbor and since I'm remembering my order, I'm not exactly sure, but then yeah, Kevin has already achieved it. Uh, and I guess in some sense then like he can have, what do they call that? Uh, I don't know what do Campbell calls it. Something with the mother, or whatever, or something with the father where he says, Hey mom, uh, I do love you, but, I, I, you know, how about some more freaking attention and some, I can't even remember, save me a slice of pizza. And uh, she asked for forgiveness, Kevin, but Kevin says, now I'm much more mature. And uh, this won't happen again until we go to the hotel in the New York City one. Uh, uh, made in Manhattan or whatever. Made of like uh, Home Alone, Lost in New York. Uh, but yeah, I think that's what it's called. And she says, well, I love you. And he says, I love you, too. And then the neighbor probably says, hey, uh, can I come over for dinner? They say, of course you can. Uh, this is great. And Daniel Stern and uh, Joe Pesci lose their license to return Blockbuster tapes, uh, which ends up bankrupting that whole company. And movie comes to a close uh, with probably, like, I don't know if Danny Elfman did the music or... Uh, what, but, uh, probably with another shot of the house again, and then, uh, some scrolling, uh, some scrolling credits. And it was, uh, like, uh, it was great to, uh, watch, even though I was late to the game. Uh, and, uh, yeah. So thanks so much and good night.